Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelizzolo back here with Sam Monson. It is your PFF NFL podcast bonus show. Yeah. Here on a Friday, Sam. Friday bonus. The people have bonus been begging Friday. for more Sam and Steve. As if seven podcasts a week are not enough. Mm-hmm. They wanted eight. So here we are. And we're live on YouTube. And wow, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of people already here. So let's get into it. Uh, we're breaking down NFC. It's because this has been up for a while waiting for your ass to finish your meeting. Well, that's how you that's how you get the people to gather i had a very important meeting very important meeting i had mm-hmm. to finish sorry to keep everybody delayed um so we're all here we're going to break down nfc team needs yesterday we broke down all the afc go check it out if you have not already team needs following free agency but first what do we have here sam what are you telling me to do email have, uh... mailbag bulging mailbag um gave us a fantastic email uh and i think you need to read this to the people not just you know to okay yourself. so here's the email it's from nigel senior or senior senior hi steve and sam i like that order steve and sam love the show the other day you were entertaining us with stories of amusing sporting injuries i think mine is right up there but you be the judges a number of years back i was the film editor on numerous kids tv shows here in the uk during the summer months we endeavored to play a few matches of social cricket against local companies based in and around chorlton the bgs were born there by mm-hmm. the way in the in south of manchester we all know this one of the most one of our most combative opponents was always the Steak and Kebab restaurant in Didsbury. I am not aware of any legendary 80s disco groups coming from here. My brother lives there. Well, there you go. Yeah. A little, little Didsbury in, fact. In Didsbury. Yeah. We're learning something every day. Right. During one match, we were fielding. After, after an over or two, we bowled out their number <laughs> it's like one. an inning, Steve. An inning. An, after an over or two, we bowled out their number one batsman. Now I'm familiar with mm. this. Mm-hmm. Out to the crease strode a man mountain of a bloke we all knew as Mr. Angry. Mr. Angry's face seemed constantly to be 
dark crimson in color, and his demeanor was always that of a man whose pint had just been spilled in the pub, and he was searching for the culprit. Mr. Angry took guard. Please explain, Sam. Ah, so like, this is, you know, when you would get into your stance. Hang on, let's see if I can remember my cricket stance. Does everybody have the same cricket stance? Or there's uh Yeah, it's like a it's like a standard, you know, technique. Because in baseball, one of the coolest things is how differently I mean I'm sure there's variance, but everyone pretty much stands the same and you know, clocks the bat to the floor, you're you're ready, you're good. So Mr. Angry took guard yeah. and our sixty five year old boss ran it to l- deliver his first ball. It was short and slow, and Mr. Angry Angry clubbed it with such force that a piece of willow seemed at that moment to have been transformed into Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. Out on the long on boundary I was momentarily distracted by the amazing sight of Concord, 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 flying above us, having just taken off from Manchester Airport. Over the roar of the engine, this is a long email. It is. Over the roar of the engines, I made out the faintest of sounds. Multiple fielders were shouting, catch it. Instinctively, I stuck out my hand in the exoset, exoset missile of a cricket ball slapped hard into my palm with a resounding slap that was almost as loud as the Concord's jet engines themselves. Cue my fellow fielders running to congratulate me from all corners. Possibly the greatest catch to the greatest accompaniment in the history of the game. Mm. Mr. Angry stood at the crease incredulous. He could not believe what had just happened. One ball faced and out. As we say, a golden duck. Yeah, out in the first ball. Eventually, he stormed off back towards the clubhouse, passing me on the way. He sneered and loud enough for all to hear, explained that I was the luckiest effer of all time whilst... Also questioning the validity of my parentage. Fair. <laughs> the match continued for a, few, uh, for a few minutes until we were all interrupted by the continuous beep, beep, beep of a car horn coming from the car park. Parking lot. Scouts were sent to investigate, <laughs> suspecting a smashed window and maybe a robbery. But upon returning, we were informed that due to a head injury sustained by Mr. Angry, constantly headbutting his steering wheel in absolute frustration at his dismissal, he would, have, he would have to be taken off to the hospital to receive <laughs> stitches in his badly gashed forehead. I can't remember the outcome of the match or even if it finished, but I'll never forget that catch and the ramifications afterwards as long as I live. That is an outstanding That is a injury. great story. I, like, I picture Goliath yeah. here. Angry-looking Goli- <clears throat> Goliath has to go to the hospital <laughs> through a head injury sustained through headbutting his own steering wheel repeatedly. So angry is he that somebody, like, luckily caught him out. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for that story. Thank you for everybody for uh, sticking with me trying to uh, <coughs> read to read and uh, get all the terminology down. But that's good. I was yeah, interested no. that the one that tripped you up the most was Exocet. That's not a – I guess it might be a British um, – you know, the way you have, like – It just took me a second. It's, a lot, of, but is it's that, a lot of letters that usually aren't in a row. True, but is it because it's a British military name of something? You know, the way you have, like, Aegis Destroyers – that are American sure. military things, Exocet might be a British missile as opposed to a universal, you know, heat-seeking missile or whatever the hell it is. All right, well, let's get into the NFC team needs. Again, yesterday we went through the entire AFC. We're going through the NFC. We're doing it alphabetically here. We're not doing it by division. Let's get into it, starting with the Arizona Cardinals from a team needs standpoint. Was that official with Malcolm Butler yesterday? I thought so. Okay. So Malcolm Butler comes in. That fills the first need that we listed here a couple days ago. Cornerback, tight end, and interior I mean, of the defensive line. It doesn't fill right. cornerback, but it is a great step yes. in the right direction. Yeah. 
it gives them one cornerback. I mean, two if you count Byron uh, Murphy as a slot guy, but that still leaves them with at least one other starter they need to fill. And, you know, Malcolm Butler hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire since it looked like he was going to become a great corner early in his New England days. But he's so. been good and solid. He's a, He still grades in the green every year, man. He is a good player. Is he, though? Yeah. Good. Eh. Malcolm Butler. Capable, maybe. After Malcolm Butler got released, we had him five, six, seven, eight as our ninth ranked corner on mm -hmm. our free agent board, 45 overall, just ahead of Troy Hill. <sighs> Graded better than Troy Hill last year. He was our number 15 corner last year. Now, that was coming off of two years in the 50s. Yeah. So that's it, it's the nature of cornerback play. But I think you just get a guy that's that's talented and, and has that upside ability, and that's Butler. I mean, he's had one PFF coverage grade above 75 in the last four years. Okay, fine. I He's like also he given up at least four touchdowns every year of his career other than his rookie season when he played in 219 snaps. Yeah, that interception, though. I saw the, uh, the Seahawks and Cardinals social media accounts going at, going at it, hmm. making jokes at each other. I mean, other. look, even if he did nothing else for the rest of his career, that's one of the greatest plays in NFL history, so you can't take that away from him. They still need a lot more depth at corner. They bring back Robert Alford, uh, hasn't played in a long time. Bring him in on a one-year contract just uh, as a flyer. Very Jason Verretti, except... Uh, Alford's track record is just, you know, pretty good, not as good as Verrett's. Um, so Robert Alford, you have Malcolm Butler. You mentioned Byron Murphy, who did start to find himself last year as a slot corner. Patrick Peterson's out. Drake Kirkpatrick's out. This is one of the biggest issues for the Cardinals. If they double up and grab a first-round corner, wouldn't be surprised. They need more depth. Malcolm Butler, the guy that makes the play that defines a Super Bowl. Robert Alford, a guy who didn't make the play that defined Ooh, a Super Bowl. That's right. Brady throws the ball right through his hands. Alford doesn't catch it. Was it the play? The next play was the Welker, the absurd Welker catch. Not Welker, uh, Edelman catch. Yeah. The, like the sea of hands going to the floor, and Edelman comes up with it. It was right after Brady threw the ball right to Robert Alford. Didn't catch it, It right? was. Wow, look at that. Um, tight end and interior defensive line are the other two um, spots that we mentioned. I, I keep thinking, hey, look, they got Max Williams. They have their answer if they just used, used him, him a little right. bit more. Uh, but, you know, tight end depth, it depends on how often they want uh, to have multiple tight ends out there. Um, I, I'm also back with this speed receiver, I think would be great, or just unleashing Indy Isabella to be more of a downfield threat if that's possible. But Realizing is, that's what he is. Yeah, Isabella and Kirk are both, you know, decent options beyond uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but I think wide receiver depth in general is always going to be a need. AJ Green comes in to play the Larry Fitzgerald role. I'm, I'm interested to see that because that was my comp for late career AJ Green was Larry Fitzgerald, possession possession guy late in his career we'll see if that that works for aj still every offense needs a guy that can't get open <sighs> you think aj's completely lost it yeah i mean certainly from <laughs> if he yes he's lost what he had he if he's going to be successful needs to be successful in that larry fitzgerald role which is solid reliable hands open by scheme not by ability to separate and moves the chains through reliability and ability, you know, knowledge of sitting in a soft spot in a zone. Like, he can't separate anymore. He doesn't have that. Gone. Bye-bye. Oh, poor AJ Green. All right, let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons. Biggest needs, it's all in the secondary. Cornerback, safety, and for the 12th year in a row, edge defender for the Falcons. Yes. It's all on the defensive side of the ball here. Their Always biggest needs. with the edge. At corner, last year they spent a first-rounder on AJ Terrell. Kendall Sheffield has I, I, I people's mentioned I've, I've said shows flashes because there was like a couple games where he was good Sheffield's coming off a of 40 grade um, but he did have 
decent performances in his rookie season in 2019. Flashes. Flashes, even. Um, so, yes, beyond A.J. Terrell, there are some question marks. Safety, as of right now, Eric Harris comes in, and Isaiah Oliver could be the guy that moves there. Fabian Moreau's in here at corner. I, the entire secondary just needs an influx of talented football players. Yeah, and I thought A.J. Terrell played well as a rookie. I Arguably the best rookie cornerback um, when all was said and done. <clears throat> which is to say not great because none of them were like it's who was the last guy standing or who was the most the least badly abused uh, is probably the best way of phrasing it I thought he played pretty well in stretches um, and was a guy I think that was potentially a little bit underrated coming into the into the draft into the the season you know I, everyone thought Akuda was this sort of flawless prospect everyone was high on some other corners AJ Terrell, I think, flew under the radar uh, radar a little bit, and the Falcons got criticized a bit, maybe, for drafting him where they did. But I thought he held up reasonably well. Had some nice uh, pass breakups. Again, this is another guy ends up with a fifty-seven grade overall, so it wasn't that great. But compared with other rookies, I thought he had a reasonably good performance. Cue the. We'll see what happens in year two with a full with a full real offseason. Yeah. Uh, Falcons fill a major need, though, with Barkevius Mingo coming in, one-year contract, oh, just God. moving around the league. Special teams ace. Yeah. Man, I love you that You should guy. get, like, you, you should get in contact with him for a start, right, and pitch to him that he becomes, you know, one of those Richard Sherman players that represents himself, and then you just become his hype man, and you can get the agent cut. Well, when I'm a GM and you see me sign Barkevius Mingo as my first move, you'll – you won't be surprised. You'll be here with yeah. some new co-host on the PFF NFL podcast and talking about Steve's great move, bringing in Mingo, mm. former Super Bowl champion. All right, so Falcons, we're talking all things secondary, and we're talking edge defender as well. Remember the history here of, of drafting Vic Beasley in the first round, drafting Tack McKinley, and they bring in Dante Fowler last year who finishes with a 49 grade coming off of all those sacks with the Rams. So, yeah, having a, a legitimate edge rusher – is important here yes so Dante Fowler goes from 39 pressures in Jacksonville 46 46 in Jacksonville and the, the season where he got traded and then the season with Aaron Donald 67 with 15 sacks and then back down to 30 with no Aaron Donald Dante Fowler is the perfect embodiment of that idea we kicked around with just bringing in the, the former first round guy that's got a little bit of juice plug him next to Aaron Donald and watch his numbers spike through the roof and then just let the dude walk and grab a third-round compensatory pick year after year. They could have done that, and they didn't. They went and re-upped Leonard Floyd and went, no, we're good. Would have been a great strategy. Falcons sitting at number four in the draft. They can go uh, several ways. I think the trade down makes a ton of sense because of all these holes that we're talking about. One of the best rosters in the league a couple years ago, uh, very much depleted here on the defensive side of the ball. So that has to be what they are attacking now as far as team needs go. What do they do on offense with, now they're like bolted to Matt Ryan, like a ball and chain? So always start at receiver, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage was one of the best wide receiver threes in the league last year. That's the most valuable, the most valuable third receiver, right? So that is a good starting point. I wonder how much you need Julio insurance as he gets a little bit older, loses a step. One of these years he looks like his, remember his counterpart all through college and in the draft was AJ Green. Yeah. So at what point does he just fall off a cliff and look like A.J. Green, or does he? So you probably need a little bit more insurance there. Um, offensive line, they've invested in heavily. Matt Hennessy is going to come in and uh, start at center over Alex Mack, with Chris Lindstrom at guard, and Caleb McGarry at tackle. 
think they're moving in the right direction there. But I think O-line depth and receiver depth. Uh, and then maybe they want to play making tight end. Maybe they want a Kyle Pitts just because they have to keep up with the Bucks. They have to keep up with uh, the Saints, potentially. They have to score a lot of points, right? So maybe Kyle Pitts is a play at four because he's good for everybody. And you pair him with Hayden Hurst and the great Lee Smith. Uh, the great. Lee Smith is the offensive tackle. Yeah, depth. That's the one you need, right? That's your uh, your improvement the tackle. So I think it's depth and security along the edges wow, offensively. Willie, Willie Beavers is still cashing NFL checks. What he is on their roster? Wow, the number the three hundred fourteenth best offensive tackle in in his own draft two thousand fifteen <laughs> in college football. That's impressive, Willie. It really is. That's some staying power. Like to keep hanging around this long and actually be somebody's paying that man to still. Technically, that guy, when he fills in a form, occupation is still professional football player. For Good Willie Beavers, that's pretty astounding. He had a great rep against Joey Bosa that one time. All right, staying in the division, Carolina Panthers, a quarterback is the number one need. They've been in on every potential quarterback trade discussion this entire offseason, and then we're saying corner and wide receiver slash tight end. Another team, this was the first team where I said Kyle Pitts would be a great fit. First one. It started with my Carolina Panthers. I mean, quarterback is the big thing, right? They obviously know themselves that this is where they need to go. Bridgewater was a nice, intriguing player to bring in for them within that system. Um, some familiarity there, some potential upside to Teddy that I think there was an unknown about how good he could be uh, the longer he went for, away from that devastating knee injury and just generally put in a good system. I think he answered last season that, hey, look, he does have a pretty defined cap on how good he can be. And actually... Last year was arguably the worst season he's had in the NFL in terms of just play, forget health and staying health and staying upright, just actually down-to-down -down performance. His numbers weren't bad, but that's because the system is great. So I think, I think they discovered that, look, Teddy Bridgewater at this point is a nice backup and he can start if you're screwed a quarterback, but we need to find a better option than that going forward. And they presumably are going to be right in the thick of anything that happens in the draft for these top four quarterbacks. Yeah, I think from a, from a playmaker standpoint, uh, first off, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater didn't play as well as his stats showed for the majority of the season. Joe Brady did a really nice job calling plays. Loved their trio of playmakers last year with DJ Moore. Loved the way they used Robbie Anderson. Curtis Samuel was used uh, probably the best he's – his best season, yep. uh, essentially. So they lose Curtis Samuel. They bring in David Moore. So it's still a good trio of receivers. Tight end is a big question mark. They bring in Dan Arnold, who um, is a good two. You know, he's a good complimentary piece, big body who could do some damage in the red zone. But Ian Thomas, 42 grade last year, slated to be the starting tight end. This is why initially I said Kyle Pitts would be a great player, but quarterback is going to be the most important thing for Carolina. Are they okay with Teddy being the bridge to... Stop it. What? Stop it. To the Trey Lance or, or Mac Jones. Now, by the way, when I watched Mac Jones, the first quarterback who came to mind when I was watching him was Teddy Bridgewater. Executes the offense, hits open throws, not really much outside of structure, not maybe a, n as natural of a playmaker as you know the guys that we've seen develop these last couple of years. I wonder if Carolina looks at Mac Jones and says, you know, we, Joe Brady's had success with pocket passers with a burrow and he's going to execute the offense really well. Or if they said, we just had Teddy Bridgewater, we need something more dynamic than that. So it comes down to that Mac Jones stability versus Justin Fields, Trey Lance perceived upside. Yeah, I don't know how much of a bridge they plan on having if they draft one of these guys in the top 10. Um, I, 
I think a lot of teams roll into their rookie season with a quarterback with the, you know, an ideal, beautiful plan of, hey, this guy doesn't need to start year one. We'll bring him along slowly. And then by like four weeks in, Teddy's had a nightmare and you're like, all right, screw it, put in the rookie. So even if that is the plan that they don't start year one, and honestly, I don't know that it is or should be, um, it won't last very long. Like they, <laughs> the rookie, if they draft one in the first round, will be starting before like the month of October. So they're ready. They're I don't ready. know if they're ready. That's just the way the world works right now is that unless you're Kansas City and you already have a playoff caliber roster and no reason to put the guy in, and by the way, your random quarterback that was starting goes on a Pro Bowl run of the best season of his career, you, you, the rookie gets put in. He, there's no way of keeping them on the bench. The other thing at, at play here, I know we've mentioned a lot of different positions, offensive tackle. Right now, so they signed Cam Irving. They signed Pat Elfline early in free agency. Irving has played every position. Elfline's going to be on the interior. Right now, Irving's slated as their starting left tackle. It's between him and Greg Little. Greg Little was a developmental second rounder a couple years ago who has not fared all that well. Irving is probably not the guy they even want starting at left tackle. I mean, the Panthers could just be in that. Probably. Yes. They could just be in that Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater in the top 10 sweepstakes as well if they don't have the quarterback that they like. So I think tackle's still a place that they need to keep an eye on. Yeah, all of a sudden, this offensive line looks like a potential massive problem on paper. I mean, they've they've ad addressed it. They've got some players. They've made some moves. But you could see very quickly that becoming a monster weakness. Um, and, you know, Taylor Moton, Mouton, who they kept in the building with a franchise tag, I think is the one sort of surefire good player on that group. But outside of that, there's a ton of uh, variants and gambles. Matt Paradis at center way back in his Denver career was a really good center, like good at pass blocking, really good run blocker within that system has been a train wreck in Carolina disaster year one with a, a 43 grade better last year, but still 10, 15 points off where he was previously in Denver. It still gives up a ton of pressure for a center. Um, I could see that being a real issue, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Bridgewater or a rookie. The uh, defensively, we mentioned corner as a as a potential need they remember they've invested all their draft picks on the defensive side last year this reminds me of the 49ers a couple years ago when on paper they had no corners and then all of a sudden you know they have Sherman and he plays well and a couple of other guys develop and they they had a good coverage unit in 2019 on paper Troy Pride wasn't great Dante Jackson is their best guy uh, did develop a little bit last year which was nice but the, you know they bring in Rashawn Melvin and it's a whole bunch of other question marks. So corner, definitely another place Carolina needs to address. The concern here is these are some big positions, right? QB, yeah. corner, another playmaker, maybe left tackle. There's some big positions still for the Panthers as far as needs go. Chicago Bears, QB, wide receiver, O-line, and corner. But they signed Andy Dalton yeah. to be their starter. They told him. QB won. He is QB1. I don't, I don't see what the problem is. I assume the Bears are going to be active evaluating all of these draft quarterbacks. They're sitting at 20, so I don't know if they're going to have a shot at them. Nope. But have to have – got to be ready to go if any of those guys drop. It's another team that, you know, they had to release Kyle Fuller. They, they had a good cornerback situation a couple years ago. They bring in Desmond Trufant, who could – you know, he's coming off a very poor season in Detroit, but you – play this lion's rule here right you know you don't weigh it too much 
Well, I don't weigh that season too much, but he's also coming off bad seasons before that. He hasn't been good in it's a while. It's been a while since right. Dresden Trufant was a top-tier player. I like I, I like those gambles. You know me. I like the gambles of guys who used to be good, just not for a, a ton of money. But Desmond Trufant and Jalen Johnson there. Johnson, another guy who had, had a, some good moments, like A.J. Terrell as, yeah, as a rookie started corner. the season really well. Um, so corner is definitely something else they have to look at. And then receiver, opposite Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney did really emerge as an awesome deep threat. But you want to move Mooney down the depth chart, Sam. You know that. Yeah. Or, you know, can he be more than that? I mean, this is the big question. And then right tackle. Right now, Jermaine Effetti, after some poor seasons at right tackle, played better at guard, particularly last year with the Bears. You want Effetti to be in, in at guard. Right now, he's slated to be the starting right tackle unless they have Elijah Wilkinson come in. Wilkinson's one of those guys who had, like, a couple good games against good pass rushers and, like, has this reputation but hasn't really graded well in our system. Just the first paragraph of this article on PFF.com from Anthony Tresh about the Bears is, is really emblematic, of, it. Yeah, it's emblematic of the sadness present in Chicago right now. Chicago had its eyes set on Russell Wilson, Trent Williams, and Kenny Galladay this offseason. Instead, it ended up with Andy Dalton and Jermaine Effetti, whilst also cutting cornerback Kyle Fuller, the most valuable player they've had on the defensive side of the ball since 2017. Needless to say, it hasn't been a stellar offseason for the Bears. Um, yeah, that does kind of sum it up. Interestingly, though, Adam Schefter, friend of the show, uh, does keep saying that this Russell Wilson thing is not dead. Like, it didn't happen when people were saying it was in the works. It didn't happen before free agency, but it isn't dead on arrival yet. It's not a done deal. Chicago still could potentially get Russell Wilson, presumably before the draft, which is, I imagine, what a cutoff would actually have to happen. But, I mean, again, like when, when you just run through that and you're like, now we have Andy Dalton and Jermaine Effetti. And I, Dalton doesn't stop you executing a trade for Russell Wilson. And if anything, might actually help because presumably he would be part of a trade. Hey, whatever our draft picks are, whatever defensive players we can give you, and here's Andy Dalton who you can muddle by with for the next couple of years while you try and find your next Russell Wilson. So... Things are looking pretty miserable for Chicago, given where their sights would have been set this offseason, but that changes pretty quickly if they do manage to swing something for Russell Wilson. Let's not... Andy Dalton in a vacuum is not the worst thing in the world. The problem is what you were trying to achieve and where you're, and where you're coming from. The fact that the rest of this roster... It's a lot, it reminds me a little bit of the Steelers offseason, where you're getting a little bit worse at all these different position groups. Uh, you know, maybe wide receiver, you know, wide receiver, O line, corner, everything's getting a, getting a little bit worse. And then, if you had added a Russell Wilson to that, it's like okay, he'll he'll you know resolve some of those other issues. Whereas Dalton's not really going to do that. It's also that you know, like you know, politicians on their election poster, they come with like a slogan. You know, Steve Palazzolo, how hard could it be, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like Andy Dalton's would be, we can do better. You know, <laughs> Andy Dalton. We Andy Dalton better. for quarterback, eh, we can do better. Like that, that's the problem. Is that, yeah, look, Andy Dalton, he can start games for you, and it won't necessarily always be a train wreck. Top 32 QB in the world? There you go. All right. He's a top 32 quarterback in the world. He can be a starter. He can win games for you. He cannot be the reason you lose. On the other hand, you're constantly going to be looking at him going, I mean, we can do better than that. Come on. Come on. Really. And, and this is – that would be fine if you were just a random team somewhere. But this is a team who, like, their backs are up against the wall because of the inability to find a quarterback that can do better. 
and now this is what you're settling for. The whole thing is just like an exercise in depression. So I think she, like it's a great insurance policy because the Bears were in a position where they very, very seriously could have been rolling into next season with like Nick Foles or you know Trask as their starting quarterback. Um, so they got Andy Dalton. It's like an insurance policy, but they should still be trying to throw everything humanly possible at Seattle to get Russell Wilson. It, it, I'm trying to figure out what I would do if I'm in Ryan Pace's shoes. You've got multiple holes. Andy Dalton, they just had to sign a starter Yeah, in Andy Dalton, right? The, the same move that they made to go get Khalil Mack, I wonder if they would try to do that as now on the other end of it. Would you trade Khalil Mack and try to grab – Trade back? Extra, not, not necessarily back to the Raiders, but Raiders try to get multiple – They could. <laughs> but try to get multiple first-rounders for Khalil Mack who's still flip all the first rounders back to Seattle for Russell Wilson maybe well maybe but in general just because look the only way they win it's only a one-year deal for Andy Dalton but the only way they win with Andy Dalton is if the rest of the roster is pristine and even when that was the case offensively last year for Dallas we didn't get the production out of Dalton that we had even expected so is this the play when you have one piece with perceived with great value which is Khalil Mack but maybe the perception of that value is higher than the reality. I mean, this is the time to flip him. I would want to keep him in the building if Andy Dalton was my quarterback. On the other hand, if Seattle came to me and said the only way this deal is happening is if Khalil Mack is coming to to Seattle, I would have him as part of that trade package. That wouldn't that wouldn't be a deal breaker for me if I'm Chicago to acquiring Russell Wilson. Oh, I agree. I, and I'm I'm not even talking about trading him to Seattle necessarily. Right, no, I'm no. talking about trading him to anybody that's going to give yeah. me two first rounds. So I'm rounders. saying I don't. I don't know that I would trade him away if I'm stuck with Andy Dalton as my starter because I'm going to need everything else to be as good as possible. And I don't think, I don't think I'm fixing the what I'll, I don't think I'm fixing the loss of Khalil Mack with the two first rounders that I get this year, even though it's two players. Yeah, it wouldn't be a short term rookies. Fix. It's not going to help, right? So if Andy Dalton is my quarterback, I want Khalil Mack playing in Chicago. But if if Seattle tell me the only way this deal for Russell Wilson is happening is if Khalil Mack is coming the other way, I'm okay with that. It's, it's obviously not what I would want to do, but if that's the only way the deal's happening, all right then. All right, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, per Anthony Tresh's article, that's what we're using as a baseline here, pff.com, NFL team needs after 2021 free agency. Uh, Cowboys, co uh, cornerback, safety, edge, and tight end. Tight end, it is the luxury pick here, um, but I agree a more dynamic tight end would be the thing that potentially completes that offense also half the teams in the league right now need a tight end because there just isn't that many of them yeah oh yeah it's it is crazy because there's certain teams that have multiple pretty good tight ends yeah and you know say the box and then other teams where it's like man you there's there's 10 to 15 teams that just don't have a good pass catching tight end yep um but with the cowboys we know it's the defensive side of the ball mike mccarthy has come out and said look we, we tried to do too much last year the same thing that richard sherman said on the chris collinsworth podcast uh, you could just tell busted coverages assignments and the whole deal so i think the defense will just get better almost by default um, but they they're starting to add uh, some former falcons to the mix for dan quinn keanu neal's there demonte casey just playing signs yeah playing linebacker is that official that's what they're trying to do there i believe so yeah i think it was announced that way it almost it, it matters but it almost doesn't matter i mean he he played there's the strong safety in quinn's system which is usually you're lined up over the slot you're moving you're well not really in the slot but you're in the box right yeah. you're coming down into the box playing the run so somewhat familiar territory for Keanu Neal Demonte Casey is going to come in and play a little free safety 
but more work to do at cornerback. It does make that dynamic kind of interesting. Like, how how are you deploying those guys now? Because now you've got Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, and Keanu Neal, all three of whom are ostensibly linebackers. Now, okay, I mean, not the same, but like, okay, what is your deployment now? What does that look like? Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that announcement. Even like J. Ron Curse is there too. He's another big, huge safety, um, you know, a box safety type. And, you know, Keanu can play box safety in this, in this system. Like, mm. that's what he's done, and he's been. He's been that middle-of-the-field enforcer. Not as good as he was as a rookie, but Maybe they're good. just terming that now as, like, a nickel linebacker, you know, or a dime linebacker that we're going to be playing five, six defensive backs on the field at any one time, one of whom is going to be that Cam Chancellor role in the box, which we are now terming dime linebacker as opposed to strong safety. Yeah, that's certainly possible. Um, but, yeah, they're bringing in a few familiar faces for Dan Quinn here. Uh, at cornerback, they bring back Jordan Lewis. Last year's first, uh, second rounder, Trayvon Diggs is there. Anthony Brown is back, but certainly could use one more guy. That's why I think at number 10 overall, Dallas is looking at those top corners. Definitely, and I think they make a lot of sense. This is also a team that, that drafts for need unlike any other. Like if Dallas goes into the draft with one glaring hole, you can guarantee they are filling that with their first round pick. So if – Wait, wait, wait. Was wide receiver a need last year? Ah, okay, unless somebody crazy slips to that, in which case they'll fill right, it in they, the second round. They went best player. Yeah, in which unless somebody falls, in which case they'll fill that need with the second round pick, not the first. Yeah. So, okay, sure. But they draft for need, unlike most teams in the NFL. So if those top two corners, Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan, I think both of whom would fit in this defense, one of those guys slips to them, they're going to draft one of them. There's some rumors that they're trying to trade Michael Gallup. Uh, I don't hate that as far as, you know, get out a year early before you have to pay him uh, because you're not going to be able to pay Michael Gallup and know that CeeDee Lamb's going to get paid soon and you already have a ton of money locked up in Amari Cooper. You you risk losing that advantage of, yep. that I love of the, the best trio of wide receivers in the league or, or a top three trio in the league, right? But you could potentially replace him. You could find a Michael Gallup just like you could find a Corey Davis. Right? I, I think they already have a replacement on the roster. I think Cedric Wilson can step up into the third role. Now, it, it, he wouldn't step into Michael Gallup's role, but I think CeeDee Lamb steps into Gallup's role and Wilson steps up into CeeDee Lamb's role, becomes more of a slot player for them. Um, I think they have that replacement on the roster already. Plus, you draft a wide receiver every year because why the hell not? And you can probably find a guy – Lower, lower down the draft, they can come in and plug a gap somewhere in that depth yard. But that's what I think it, would, it should look like. So secondary and then edge defender is the other one that, you know, with Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory's still there. They brought in Bradley Anai last year late, uh, with a fifth round from Utah. Only played a, uh, it was 125 snaps, looks like. I'm on the wrong page here, though. Didn't play a whole lot, but was, you know, pretty good in that limited time. Um that was only a handful of snaps. I'm sorry. But Six. he was he was a productive player. I'm looking I got his special team snaps pulled mm. up. Six snaps. He was a productive player at Utah, but they need more dynamicism. Dynamicism. Is that a thing? No, it's not. It's not even close. <laughs> Dynamism is the word you're looking Dyna for. what? No. Yes. I added an extra sism in there. Yeah. Uh Terrell Basham's an underrated early down <laughs> I player. Like that. I think we should use it in the future. Dynana. Dynamicism. Dynamicism. Can we cut that for social video? It'd be great. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Who's next on my list? I Detroit think, Lions. Hang on, if we're just jumping back for Dallas or to Dallas for a second. I think they're in a they're in this perfect example of the year two conundrum. Like they drafted, we loved their draft last year. Like mm -hmm. the draft they had was one of those ones where we said if you use the PFF mock draft sim, 
before the draft we're like hey look how did i do guys everyone would be like your sim is broken this is dumb those guys are never going to fall to where you drafted them it's ridiculous and they had that draft like they had every one of those picks was sort of either consensus or we liked at least a round or two higher than they actually got them Trevon Diggs was mocked to them in the first round in a lot of places they got him in the second they got CeeDee Lamb to fall in their first round pick where nobody thought he would be um, Neville Gallimore in the third was supposed to be gone around before that all the way down and it, it wasn't that great year one like obviously CeeDee Lamb was impressive Trevon Diggs came on well towards the second half of the year in the first half he was getting lit on fire like all the rest of the rookie corners but Neville Gallimore didn't really show anything as you said Bradley and I didn't even get on the field bar six snaps Rashad Robinson was a guy a lot of people loved lower down as a corner didn't do much so you're in this world where was the pre-draft take on all those guys just off or is Dallas actually primed for like in year two they could get a hell of a lot more plus play from a group of talented players that have now been through their baptism by fire and in a better system on defense could actually be sort of unleashed yeah it's a good point are we essentially are we sleeping on Dallas in part because of Dak's injury they got worse I mean they, they were going to win more games if Dak stayed healthy yeah and in part because the defense was so bad for the majority of the season just having a new defensive coordinator sometimes helps mm-hmm. and just having all of those talented players with a year two like CD Lamb right now you just kind of view him as like oh he's the third option right like he could become he could be as good as Amari Cooper yeah. this year. You could have C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper as the very best one-two, like like a Julio Jones-Calvin Ridley type of combo. Yep. So a lot of these guys could take huge steps forward. Dallas is going to fool us again this year. They're going to be <laughs> – we're going to be all in on Dallas by the time the season starts, aren't we? Yeah, probably. And then it, they'll, they'll be bad again. <laughs> all right, back to Tresh here. He's saying that the Lions' biggest needs – Toughness. Kind of, Toughness and kneecap biting. Come on, stop making fun of the Lions, oh, man. Sorry. Wide receivers and defense. <laughs> he didn't even itemize it. He just stop went defense. making fun of them, but they need all of the defense. Yeah, right. I didn't need you to make fun of them. I had it all set up perfectly. <laughs> Wide receiver and then eleven players. Okay. On the defense. Not eleven. Side you need ball. depth as well. You need like twenty-five. They know it's a rebuild. Yeah. It's a six-year rebuild. Six-year rebuild. So the needs are just adding a ton of talented players that are going to be a part of the rebuild here. Wide receiver is going to be more of a long-term play. They brought in Prashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams, but with with Kenny Galladay, gone. Marvin Jones, gone. Danny Amendola, is it, all. Is it time to feel sorry for Jared Goff? I mean, it's, again, with the caveat of as, as sorry as you can feel for a filthy, stinking rich millionaire. I think a little bit. He's going to go – he's coming from a system – He's going from a good situation to a really bad situation. Right. And as I said, my bold prediction, whenever the hell I said it a couple of shows ago, at some point Tim Boyle is going to start games for them this season. Tim Boyle. You're going to get benched for Tim Boyle. That's a rough place to be. Yeah. I mean, on the the other hand, it's an opportunity to, to show that he can carry a squad here. Which he did do in college. I mean, that... Cal team was not the receivers good. Receivers were good. He was under a ton his of offensive pressure. line was garbage. O line was bad. Now he's got the reverse problem here, which is his offensive line might actually be kind of good, but his receiving core is awful. Yeah, the O line's coming along over there, but I, I, look, it, it's depth all over this roster, right? It's 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 a new regime. They're always going to want their types of players. So even players that are, you know, good. So who do you keep on st- defense? So based off what they have here, they bring in Michael Brockers. I think he's a decent short-term run yeah. stopper. 
Romeo Acquire, obviously. The big nose being tackle, kept. John. Mm-hmm. John P is gonna Penasini. Yep. Yep. Penasini? He's a good. He'll he'll be better. Penasini. It's Penasini. Penasini, not yes. Penasini. Okay. Yes, that's. Fair I set enough. you up, and you actually. I, I walked right into the bear trap. The big, yeah, yeah. Nicely done. Uh, it's that, uh, that's one memeable thing for both of us. <laughs> the big nose tackle yeah. from Utah is a good run stopper. The big nose tackle from Utah. Um, Jamie Collins is still there. The the Aquaras are still there. Romeo and uh, Julian, mm. last year's rookie, another guy they need a, a second, you know, early third rounder, right? They need a, a second year leap from him. Trey yep. Flowers is a good guy to to build around up front. Uh, Tracy Walker was good until last year. If you talk about your Detroit rule, he has been a good free safety early in his career, good athletic free safety, and he struggled last year. Amani Overwarie has shown flashes. Yeah, he'll you know. So some of these guys are going to be a part of the build here. Cornerback is a massive question mark right now, though, with Jeffrey Okuda, last year's third overall pick. They need him to step forward. That's going to be the big thing. In year one of all these guys, who's a part of the Lions in 2022? It's funny. like you, All the rookie corners were lit on fire, so they all come with this caveat of, okay, how much can you look into year one? But even with that baseline of disaster, Okuda was especially bad. Like, and and it, obviously his draft stock was the highest of any of them. So he's gone from the highest preseason priors to the worst performance of any of the rookies in this Detroit system that got everybody shit canned by the end of it. So he's this weird world of like, what the, what it, what is his evaluation right now? Great prior, like one of the cleanest corner prospects anybody's seen come along in years. Worst corner performance of any rookie in a system that got everybody in the building kicked out of the door. Okay, what? Yeah, it's going to be challenging, man. It's a challenging division, too. If you look at having to play Devontae Adams a couple times a year, yeah. Allen Robinson a couple times a year, both Vikings receivers with Adam Thielen and yeah. Justin Jefferson, it's not I mean, he, a fun division to yes. play in. If you're a corner, particularly like in Matt, this is why there's a big caveat to all this Detroit thing, all right? If you're a guy being tasked with playing man coverage for basically the entire time, yeah. In your first season in the in the league, four times a year you're going up against two of the best route runners and release players in the NFL. Um, Adam Thielen and Devonte Adams have some of the, the nastiest, sickest releases off the line of anybody. And this you haven't seen this before. This is like day one in you know the, the higher level of school. Like what is going on? That dude just got put in a blender multiple times in his rookie season. That's just, I mean, it's, look, he didn't play well regardless, but that is a particularly rough assignment stretch to be dealing with. The perspective for the Lions, too, is they played a ton of man. They tried to play more zone the second half of the year, but then they had stretches of play where, like, Brady in a half threw for 330 yards and four touchdowns in a half Yeah, on his way to having, like, 650 yards over a four-quarter stretch, and the Lions were, you know, the culprits here. So... It was just ugly. It was bad all around. I'm going to use the same thing I said with Khalil Mack, too. If you were in this long-term build here with the Lions, do you take a Trey Flowers and trade him at the deadline and try to um, just continue to flip whatever assets you have for multiple draft picks, multiple draft picks, and, and again, play that 2022-2023 type of game? I think the Lions... I, mean, I think the Lions are much closer to that than the, the Bears should be. Like, yeah. They, the Bears, and, that move would be more desperation, and it might not even help short yeah. term. But like Nobody in Detroit's roster should be beyond trading if so, the offer comes in. So long-term wide receivers, all of the defense, add depth, and then keep, keep an eye out for that future quarterback because that's what the Lions need. 
Uh, Green Bay Packers here. We went wide receiver, corner, and linebacker. Uh, to me, the biggest one's cornerback. Kevin King leaves. Kevin King was uh, He's back. Didn't they resign him? Oh, did they bring him back? Yeah, one year, six million. Oh, and my we're fault. roundly mocked for it. My fault. I missed. I, I missed the mocking. Yeah, there it is. One year. I'm sorry. He can't be their starting corner opposite Jair <laughs> Alexander. But the best thing is... I so, meant to say Kevin King, free agent. Yeah. The best thing is it was like... Um, who was it? Was it... It was either Garofolo or Giardi, and I can't remember which one. So excuse the one that I'm besmirching unnecessarily. Um, but he was like, oh, people are going to just look at the one game and, you know, make this into a bigger thing than it should be, like the body of the overall body of work. I was like, the dude got lit up for a passer rating of like 115 last year. The overall body of work is not helping Kevin King. Now, that's 115 is better than 145 or whatever it was in that game where he was, you know, wrecked by the Buccaneers, but 115 is still terrible. Like, mm, Kevin King yeah. is not a good starting cornerback and hasn't been in the NFL. The overall body of his work is not justifying bringing him back for $6 million. Yeah, my problem with Kevin King goes far beyond one game. Coverage grades uh, over the last few years, uh, his, his rookie season was a 47, limited time. Limited time in 2018 was a 59. Then a 62 as a, in a full season in 2019, and a 45 coverage grade last year. It's just not good. It, it's just not good. He, the thing about 2019 is he had that 62 coverage grade, had 11 pass breakups, had five interceptions, but he still – he gave up 904 yards. Yeah. Right? So the the reason why cornerback play can fluctuate a little bit is you'll have years where you make some plays on the ball and those are valuable and you make you have some picks. But he, he gave up 17 yards per reception in his best season. In his best year, he almost gave up 1,000 receiving yards. So that's the problem with Kevin King. And on the other side, you have J.R. Alexander who is – arguably top three maybe the best corner in the NFL now he's up there right it is just a massive hole and when we the reason why we always talk about corner depth and you got to roll four deep there is the offense can dictate right the offense can attack so when you you have Mike Evans on Kevin King and you have Scotty Miller on Kevin King and you say that's the matchup I want you can attack it right you can't hide your number two corner so even with him back that still feels more like a hedge you know maybe it's a new new system and and that whole deal, but even when evaluating King, it's not like he's great in man and not in zone. You usually have those cutoffs, like some guys are just good at one and not the other. King doesn't have a great feel for zone, and any good route runner has the advantage against him. He's pretty good against bigger receivers. So he's a limited guy. You know, maybe if you just put him up against Allen Robinson and tell him to beat him up at the line of scrimmage, but even that's not the way to go. No. No, so, I mean, he's not cornerback great, too. Not a great answer. For the Packers. And sorry, I missed the King thing. I've been leaving Twitter for a while here. Staying away. Hmm. Staying away from the uh, distractions. The cesspool. Uh, we put wide receiver down, which I agree with. I, look, I think we've mentioned before, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, career years, Jair. Like, their, their stars were good. If you look at the Packers depth chart, there's a whole bunch of green is pretty good, but there's a lot of yellow and red, just like, okay players but there's there's a there's a bunch of blues that kind of carried him last year Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams yeah David Bakhtiari at left tackle Jerry Alexander at corner Adrian Amos at safety you can the, make the a blues case, carry this team you can make a case that the four most important positions in the NFL they had the best player in which is probably unprecedented and also very unlikely to happen year after year after year like they essentially had the best quarterback 
wide receiver, left tackle, and cornerback in the NFL in 2020, which is a big reason that they went from, hey, they're not as good as 13-3 and three, to actually this is arguably the best team in the NFL, and then they ran into the buzzsaw that was Tampa Bay. But they were carried, despite an offseason that didn't really seem to help them. Right. They, they managed to, t- to have the best seasons at the most important spots, which is probably not going to get repeated this year. So I think this offseason is actually big for them to offset what is a presumably inevitable regression at a couple of key spots. I So I'm never going to tell anybody that, look, if you draft a receiver in the second or third round, uh, always. It's never a bad problem, never a bad move to make. But I don't know if wide receiver is in need the way we thought it was this time a year ago, say. I think the combination yeah. of Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, it's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're going to get anything from anybody else in that depth chart. And if you, as I say, if you draft a receiver in the second or third round and that guy comes in and bumps one of them down the depth chart, Steve. Thank you. Um, then all the better. But I, I, I think they have bigger problems than that if you were focusing on need. I'd say tackle's a bigger need too because right now Billy Turner's slotted sure. as the starting right tackle. He needs to play on the interior. And David Bakhtiari's banged up, so – that's a short-term thing, but even long-term, they, they cut Rick Wagner, who's been a, just a good, solid tackle, and they definitely need I mean, I think you could make an argument that they have a greater need at almost any position on defense than they do at wide receiver. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. So who's next here on my list here? Uh, Green Bay, a lot of AFC teams alphabetically. Los Angeles Rams. Ooh. What are their needs? Sorry. <laughs> Linebacker. Center and corner is listed. Cornerback, always the big one because they lose two. Uh, right? No. They lost, no, they lost Troy Hill. Yeah. I mean, um, that's that's losing two men. So it's, It is because Troy's, Troy's your guy. Well, somebody requested that we do like a My Guy. Troy Hill podcast? Podcast. I'm down. We can do a Troy Hill show anytime We should do an all – we could have our we could have our viewers, our, our listeners, send in their all My Guy team. Like, who's your favorite player? at each position read out some of the best ones and we'll go through ours as well who's just like our guys of that we root for or have liked more than others through the years sorry let's stay on point here uh so cornerback i think safety is another question mark so they lose john johnson they lose troy hill new system as well you're not buying into the taylor rap season i like taylor or rap. jordan fuller fuller made some nice plays as a rookie last year he was fine but, you know, uh, and they have Terrell Burgess coming back off of injury. I love him. He might be able to completely replace and, and Troy Hill. Juju Hughes was the dude with the toothpick, right, from Hard Knocks. Was he? Oh, you didn't even watch Hard Knocks. No, I didn't. You? Okay, yeah. I, was, I pretty no, sure I saw him. some. I don't remember offhand. I think it was him. Okay, cool. You're really <laughs> crushing this uh, Rams analysis here. <laughs> yeah, there Can you go. Can we restart? Oh, no, wait, we're dude, live. The dude with the toothpick. Did you just Google dude with a toothpick? No, I Googled Juju Hughes, assuming that if it was him, I would see a picture of him with a toothpick. It's a baller at Fresno State. And I did indeed see that. So it's him. Is he on the team? Yeah, he wasn't. He he got injured. seeing him on the depth chart. Well, that's not my fault. Wow. Let's get a restart here. This is going well. Uh, Center, Brian Allen is slated to to start. He's on the Rams.com roster. He's Perfect. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Good job here. Uh, what else do you think about the Rams roster here, Sam? Uh, I mean, it's the usual spots that have needed adi- I- issues or additions for a while. Um, Donald obviously is is phenomenal. I think they still need a decent foil for him up the middle. 
Um, they've obviously moved on from Michael Brockers. I think they have Brockers replacements. I don't know if they have that compliment for Donald that lets you lets him feast in terms of keeping some attention away from him and having someone that can actually invested in Leonard Floyd for that. Yeah, but that's on the edge. I think they need a guy, another interior presence that can actually exploit one-on-one matchups in a way because you know, all the attention is going to go to Donald. I know he's the three tech or the guy that's going to line up in the three tech regardless of alignment most of the time, alignment, defensive front most of the time, but the, the line shifts towards Donald. So the other guy is going to get a ton of one-on-one matchups, and I think they need someone that can take advantage of that. Linebacker is still an issue. Um, they haven't really had anyone take a step forward and become uh, a plus player since they lost um, Corey Littleton. Yep. Uh, and I'm, I don't know that it's necessarily a need, but I'm curious to see what they do to fill that Troy Hill spot. Do they just go straight to David Long, who's another guy that PFF college grading really liked, or do they find another? Terrell Burgess, man. Yeah, or do they find another Darius Williams, Troy Hill, you know, just pick one of those guys up and plug them into that Jalen Ramsey-created cushy cornerback life? Yeah, I want to know. Raheem Morris takes over as defensive coordinator, too. And just because he coached in Tampa doesn't mean, like, he just runs Tampa, too, the entire time. Right. But he comes from a different, you know, system and background than Brandon Staley, who last year at this time we knew very little about. We didn't know what he was going to implement. He was a first-year defensive coordinator. Now he's a head coach with the Chargers. But clearly – taking the Rams to become the best pass defense in the league was huge. Mm -hmm. So was that a talent thing? A lot of people look at Staley and like, wait, he's not bringing Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald with him to the Chargers. You know, how much were were just, you know, the the Jimmys and Joes, how much were the X's and O's, as they say, Sam. So Raheem Morris, we'll see how the X's and O's match with uh, the players that they have here. I think offensively, they lose Gerald Everett, and there there were points in... McVay's tenure there where they would pivot to more two tight end sets with Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. I think losing Everett and bringing in Deshaun Jackson says, okay, we're 11 personnel. We're three wide, one tight end with Van Jefferson in year two, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and then Deshaun Jackson. As far as building a receiving core, I love that. I mean, because you know me, give me Deshaun Jackson every single year as that deep threat. And when he's number four on your depth chart, I love that, man. That is, uh, that's going to be a good play, I think, for them. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see them try and replicate a Deshaun Jackson in the draft, like in the mid-rounds, the low-rounds somewhere, find a guy that's got blazing speed that can be uh, Deshaun Jackson when Deshaun Jackson inevitably misses six games. Yep, um, that's true. I think they'll definitely look for that, even with you know someone like Van Jefferson already on the roster. Um, they're in a pretty good spot, though. I mean, there's a reason that they traded for Matthew Stafford thinking that hey he can bring us to where we need to go like this is a roster that's pretty close i'm looking at to me the biggest question here you mentioned linebacker and i mentioned safety early on coverage in the middle of the field for the rams it's just they don't have guys with with uh established players established track record that they might want to add some depth there so that's the rams and their needs let's go to minnesota vikings dude why are you so biased they have a lot of needs edge Offensive line and safety. Replacing Anthony Harris. Your thoughts? Um, on yeah. the whole thing. I mean, yes. Edge pretty desperately. Danelle Hunter is probably coming back, though apparently isn't too happy and potentially wants out. They may end up trading him away. Is he another guy, though, that even though that's the best player on their defensive line, is worth trading because you get 
multiple in return. I mean, a, depth, a team maybe that needs depth. If you if you think you're quite a way away, but at some point, I just my problem with doing things like that is when you're trading away a player that you need to directly replace with one of the picks you're getting in for him, it feels to me like just a small target to be hitting. Now they did it last year. They traded away Stephon Diggs, replaced him with Justin Jefferson, and actually nailed it. Justin Jefferson was every bit as good as yep. Stephon Diggs was in Minnesota the year before, and they got extra picks for it. So they actually nailed that one. I just think it's an incredibly low percentage play to achieve. And I understand there's ancillary benefits in that you get cheaper um, and all those kinds of things, but it's just hard to have to directly replace a dude with the picks you're bringing in. Like the, your strike rate in the draft, anybody's strike rate in the draft isn't good enough to be relying on that as an easy fix. So if you trade away Danell Hunter, you're probably going to have to tra draft a Danell Hunter replacement in the first round. What are the chances that guy is not just as good as Danell Hunter, but even close enough to him that the saving you've made money-wise makes it a good deal anyway? I just I don't think it's a good percentage play. Now, if you're yeah. miles away and you're like, Danell Hunter isn't doing us any good anyway, what the hell? But... The Vikings, I don't think they have that kind of runway. Like, this is a team that's under a bit of pressure because they haven't been good for a couple of years. They need to actually move somewhere. It, it, we, we mentioned this when we talked about the Patrick Peterson deal on last week's, last week's episode. We met, you know, our review of free agency. You guys could check all that out, too. We re reviewed every move that the NFC teams and AFC teams made in separate podcasts. It, do we look at the Vikings? If we're going to talk about teams in this year two rookie jump, the Vikings exemplify, exemplify that more than any other team. They had a million rookies last year. Justin Jefferson hit the ground running. He was great. Jeff Gladney had his moments. Cam Cameron Dantzler was one of the better rookie corners. Are they primed to surprise because they have all these year two players in premier spots too? Like if Dantzler and, and Gladney was drafted higher than Dantzler, like if Gladney was a better player than Dantzler next year, are you surprised? Yes. You're you're that out on Jeff Gladney? Not that out, but I would be surprised if I would they not reverse. be. No, knowing what you know about corner, knowing the fact that we had Gladney well, higher than Dantzler, and he went higher than Dantzler, I would not be surprised at all. I, there is a world where Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, and a hidden, rejuvenated Patrick Peterson are at least a, a really good trio sure. of corners. I mean, I think that Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney were very close as prospects, so the fact that they went two rounds apart is not necessarily... I mean, from day one, Cameron Dancer was pegged as this guy of like, hey, check out the third-round rookie that they have. If he surprises in training camp and the regular season, don't be shocked at all. Um, like, he was he was a weird guy where the tape was phenomenal. He did the best job against Jamar Chase of anybody in the nation, essentially. The number one receiver in this year's draft class, Cameron Dantzler shut him down the best of anybody, but he was built like Devontae Smith on defense. He was built like a stick. Yeah. And unlike Devontae Smith, who went, I'm 170 pounds, I played at 170 pounds and won the Heisman, deal with it. Cameron Dancer went, crap, I can't play at 170 pounds. I got to put on 25 pounds of muscle, put on 25 pounds of muscle or whatever it was, got up to like 185, ran like a pig, and now you're dealing with a corner who's small and ran a 4'6 or whatever it was. Now we've got major issues. So he tried to fix that at his pro day, but whatever. Like, he slipped because of those things, not because he couldn't play. Um, so I don't think he's a third-round guy. And when you see what he did as a rookie, immediately surprises in training camp, has guys like Adam Thielen saying this dude's going to be good quickly, plays well in the regular season, certainly down the stretch. 
I think he will be the better of the two corners. And then the question becomes, how good can Gladney be? That's the unknown. So all I'm saying about the Vikings is maybe they're, they could surprise next year. Because it, it looks like there's a lot of questions. The pass rush is still a, a, a major issue. Edge defender is absolutely a need, whether Donnell Hunter's on the roster or not. They do need somebody else rushing off the edge. So I agree there. Offensive line, not sure where they're going to go there. Bring in Mason Cole to play in the interior from Arizona, maybe to start. Garrett Bradbury's hitting year three. Ezra Cleveland, the entire... you got to put him back to tackle or keep him at guard. A lot of question marks up front on the O-line. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, Brian O'Neill should be good. The other four are major question marks. They have the worst guard pairing in the NFL. They had last year's um, second-round pick, Ezra Cleveland, playing right guard, even though he's a tackle, um, was a tackle in college, was a tackle that looked more like a tackle than some. You know, yep. some guys that have weight and size and strength to them, and you think, yeah, okay, that guy can survive at guard for a year while you figure out the move that needs to happen to get him back out to left tackle. Cleveland didn't look like that kind of player and yet wound up playing there anyway. Now, was that an indictment of his ability to play left tackle or just that's where he had to play to play to get playing time while Raleigh Reef was still there? Like, if day one of training camp, Ezra Cleveland isn't opening at left tackle, that's a concern, and you probably have to start writing him off as potential on that offensive line. Um, even if he is, you need an upgrade over Dakota Dozier and Drew, Sem uh, Drew Samia, who were just terrible last year. Garrett Bradbury, the former first-round pick, has been bad. So the entire interior needs to be overhauled and probably one of the tackle spots. That's so O-line needs some help. I also wonder if they're going to – so safety, we need a replacement for Anthony Harris. And I wonder if they're going to look for a replacement for Kyle Rudolph. Irv Smith is the the best pass catching tight end on the team, obviously, but he's a you know move slot type of guy. Yeah, now, Tyler now Conklin's see, there, not nearly the run blocker Kyle Rudolph is. Now do you see why we were like you know ugh, because suddenly we've just named the, basically the entire defensive front, the four fifths of the offensive line, a second tight end, maybe uh, a safety, maybe a cornerback for some cover in case Jeff Gladney doesn't show up. Yeah, like, I see it. Now we've just named Maisky most of the team. I see the issue. Yeah. All right, New Orleans Saints, cornerback, wide receiver, and linebacker. Again, PFF Daily, we did have a uh, an entire episode on, is the cap a myth? Is the salary cap a myth? People like to use the Saints in there, the magic that they use to continue to push cap down the road. Yes, true, absolutely true, but also had to release Janoris Jenkins and Emmanuel Sanders, leaving huge holes. Cornerback opposite Marshawn Lattimore, you want to have Patrick Robinson and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson playing more in the slot and, you know, moving around a little bit more. So a second cornerback is huge and a second receiver. Michael Thomas plus who's the other threat? Are you going to rely on Traquan Smith? Are you going to rely on Marquez Callaway? Deontay Harris, who's been – you want Deontay Harris as your wide receiver four, man, right? Your punt returner and, and deep threat. So a true second wide receiver opposite Michael Thomas. Yes. Also, Marshawn Lattimore got arrested last night for uh... – uh, arrested and booked, not yet formally charged, on suspicion of receiving stolen property in the Cleveland area. So, cornerback might be a bigger need than it was 12 hours ago. Stealing That's Mike Evans' saying. production is what he usually does. Oh, wow. Got him. Nice. That's nicely done. Well done. There had been rumors that Lattimore was on the trading block. He's, he's another tricky one where, like, his, his PFF grade has continued to get worse, but the skills are absolutely there. And um, it's, it's tough to balance how, how elite he looked as a rookie versus the production over the last couple of years where the 
where he always has to face Mike Evans twice a year and he has to face Julio Jones twice a year. I mean, if you took out Mike Evans' games last year, he would be not good at all. I know. Like, genuinely pretty It's a concern. Pretty bad. It's a concern that he hasn't necessarily gotten better and that there's... He gave up eight he, touchdowns. It, didn't he joke at one point, too, that he only plays... Was it him or that were, were we assessing that he only kind of steps up when he has more of a challenge? I, hasn't he actually commented on that? Like, hey, when I want to play, I, I, want, so, yeah. I, I play. And not he, even not, – no. He we, hates Mike Evans, so he plays. Yeah, it was less – so that makes it sound like a Randy Moss, you know, I play when I play thing, which yeah. in and of itself, by the way, was taken massively out of context. Right. But let's assume even by the standards of that, I think what he said was way more, like, acceptable. He was like, hey, yeah. Playing Mike Evans definitely gets me up for a game in a way that yeah. some others don't. I wasn't trying to hold that against him. I'm merely trying to bring up the fact that the data backs it up. There are yeah, certainly yeah. games where Marshawn Lattimore should be the better player in a given matchup, and you know there's penalties in there or whatever it might be. So, I think corner in general is a is it the the Saints have good versatile coverage defenders. Malcolm Jenkins, Patrick Robinson, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the middle of the field guys, uh, as far as their secondary players are good. Demario Davis at linebacker. But on the perimeter, cornerback, that is a big question mark for the Saints. Perimeter corner, uh, they could always use a little bit of linebacker depth beyond Demario Davis. Uh, Alex Anzalone is gone. <coughs> uh, what else as far as this roster goes? I think tight end is the question mark too. Adam Troutman did a nice job as a rookie, but you're losing uh, Jared Cook, who had been a really good mm. receiving weapon for them for a few years. I, I mean, I like the idea of... I like the potential of Troutman to step in and be that guy, so I'm not massively concerned there. I think they've actually, because this, like last year we were saying the Saints have the best roster in the NFL top to bottom. Now they've had to cut a lot of that to get under the cap, but they actually have a lot of players sort of in place to take that step into the new role. So you'll lose a Trey Hendrickson in free agency coming off that big sack season. Zach Bond last season could potentially step into that role and be their situational be a situational pass rusher for them and add some juice uh, alongside Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport and you know be the extra defensive body on that rotation now maybe he sucks maybe it doesn't happen at all but this is a dude that you know crushed things in college it was a third round pick it, there's a pretty good chance he's able to step into that Hendrickson role and you know replace what he what he brought all right let's go to the New York Giants I believe this article was written before they signed Adoree Jackson because corner was listed as a as a need. I think Adoree uh, certainly solves that. I think when you're looking at the moves that the Giants have made, the secondary is really shaping up nicely. Uh, but edge defender has been a pretty consistent need for them. They've they've spent most of their resources on the 300 pounders on the defensive interior. Don't have dynamicism off the oh, edge. Now you're just ruining it. <laughs> They don't have that elite edge rusher. And then the offensive line, there's some shuffling to be done here. There's a lot of question marks along the offensive line for the Giants. Yeah, huge. They're, I mean, they're in a very similar boat to Minnesota, potentially, in terms of you got one guy that should be okay, and even their one guy is a question mark because it's like Andrew Thomas, first-round pick from a year ago, who was yeah. arguably the worst of the first-round pick tackles last year. Now he had to do more work in terms of, like, readjusting his sets and all those kinds of things and was a lot better in the second half of the season than the first half uh Hassan Reddick games aside but I think you can probably expect a reasonable second year jump for Andrew from Andrew Thomas that just leaves you with four massive question marks um yeah I, I, I'd I rather have Nate Solder starting I think though I mean you don't want to just keep moving Matt your Pert first rounder Pert. Andrew Thomas 
But Nate, Nate Solder's a solid tackle. You man. would put Nate Solder in above, ahead of Andrew Thomas. Well, and the, I, I assume the initial plan last year, if Nate Solder didn't opt out, he's playing left tackle. Andrew Thomas is at right tackle, yeah. and then eventually they they would flip Thomas to the left, whether they need to or not. But I I would rather not mess with what Solder's familiar with. He hasn't played right tackle since I think his rookie season in 2011. Um, I can't remember if Tom, I think Thomas started at right tackle at Georgia early in his career. So it, more recently in Thomas's career, he's played right tackle is my point. Um, I think Solder and Thomas are probably their best options at tackle. Now, Matt Parrott, we liked quite a bit coming out and he could potentially play right tackle. I just, you know, it's, it's a way, it's a waste of Solder because he's just one of your five offensive linemen. He has to play somewhere. I mean, he doesn't have to, but sure. He's one of their five best is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Their biggest questions are on the interior. Nick Gates at center. It was his first year at center. Maybe he gets a little bit better. Um, I will say, the Giants hit some big needs this offseason, though. Just adding Galladay, of course, yeah. at wide receiver. Adding Rudolph as a complimentary piece to Evan Ingram. And now with the Dory Jackson and James Bradbury as your top two corners, with the versatile, movable guys like Logan Ryan, Julian Love, and Xavier McKinney, they're going to be even better than feisty next year in this Giants defense. <laughs> They're going to be feisty plus, man. They feel like a team that should jump all over one of the, like, 15 still available high-quality slot corners available. Like, there's a ton of these guys in free agency. But that's, not, what they that's what all those guys are, though. Logan guys? Ryan, Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, they are all slots. They're not – it's not that you can't have more, but they have those types. I would still jump. Like a Nickel Roby Coleman sitting out there for no money. Why, I can bring him in. They got to figure out pass rush though. Yeah, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez. Problem to fix. Yeah, they so edge. I think edge is a big one for the Giants, and then reshaping that O line, definitely the big ones. I don't understand how so many teams have managed to leave themselves rolling into the draft with basically four fifths of an offensive line still to find. That feels like questionable strategy. Well, let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I don't. The O line that might be worth like further investigation which which young offensive linemen are being relied upon right now it could be a good article for pff.com and what they've done so far there's the zach banners of the world around the league yeah all right philadelphia eagles qb wide receiver corner and linebacker I, it just feels like a massive rebuild here because those top three positions are the most important positions when it points to winning qb receiver and corner do they even need a receiver like is that a massive glaring need for them was their problem last year not more that they just didn't know how to deploy them than they didn't have them? And they're, by the way, when they did know how to deploy them, their quarterback play wasn't good enough to take advantage of them. It's not that they can't be good at receiver, but how much it's, it's how much faith do you have in this depth chart? Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham with one random breakout season, Greg Ward, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Say it properly, please. Arcega. There you go. Whiteside. John Hightower, Quez Watkins. Remember, they brought in all this speed in the draft last year. And Rager, John Hightower, Quez Watkins brought speed in left and right. They wanted to get faster. But I just don't know if they got better at receiver. And all of the guys that looked Did you know like, that Marquise Goodwin reverted back to San Francisco randomly like a week ago? And they got released. Yeah. yeah. But like the trade that they did and then he opted out or whatever. Yes. Like he randomly like a week ago reverted. They didn't never even play, like never even wound up in Philadelphia yeah. after that. People are trashing the Eagles for a lot of these moves, and I loved them. So either I was wrong or I, I think the process was right and they just didn't work out. Because there was a point where they're looking at a receiving core of Alshon Jeffrey, who just got so hurt, he was useless, right? They had Deshaun Jackson. Injuries became useless. They had Nelson Aguilar, who's been good 40% of his career. Uh, so then the, the next step was 
add Marquise Goodwin, add all this speed. We want to have we want to have speed everywhere. Marquise Goodwin, Quez Watkins, John Hightower, Jalen Rager. But they got worse at receiver, and a lot of those guys were banged up and hurt. So yeah, look, I, I'm fine with like rolling in with let's see what these guys have this year. But it's because I think the Eagles are in full rebuild mode here. I mean, I think Fulgham was good. Um, of course, he yeah, was good. Okay, it's one season. But it was he like also, his seventh team in the first time he was good. So can you can he keep that going? He also looked good in the preseason in 2019. Like this wasn't completely out of the blue. He was he's a talented, obviously the physical specimen, six three two fifteen. Like he's got skills. Looked really good despite bad quarterback play around him. Um, all right, Greg Ward isn't. Greg Ward is a solid, capable slot receiver, nothing more, who has unfortunately had to be their number one receiver for, like, decent stretches of the last couple of seasons because everybody's gotten injured around him. And then Jalen Rager is a big X factor because that was a guy that a lot of people really liked in last year's draft class. And just remember how good last year's draft class was to place that into proper context. Just being a guy that a lot of people liked in a random draft class of receivers doesn't necessarily mean much. But last year's draft class of receivers is one of the best that's ever come into the NFL. And there were people that had Jalen Rager as like wide receiver three in that group. Um, four, more, more people had him at four. But he's the one guy that didn't really pan out from that top group. Like Henry Ruggs as well, I guess. But now, does that mean that everybody just missed on Jalen Rager? Or does that mean that the situation with Carson Wentz playing his ass to the bench, Jalen Hurts not really looking great as a passer, the offense that clearly had no clue what to do with Jalen Rager, even when he was playing, plus injuries, just dealt him a hand that he couldn't do anything with. Now, look, there's de- there's definitely some unknowns there. I like Rager too. I mean, I think I think he'll be fine. Um, but receiver is a need to continue to add to. I have no problem with that. Corners, the other one, uh, opposite Darius Slay, who is just okay, you know, as as their big uh, offseason trade. Another another process move I thought was fine. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think the Eagles have made a lot – other than putting themselves into a really difficult salary cap situation, I think their process has been good. I think, Which you know, itself wouldn't have been a problem if Carson Wentz didn't, like, go in the tank. Another huge point, right? <laughs> so they didn't – and maybe that was part of their process that, that did tank Carson Wentz. They, they did what we did, what we say to do, which is, you know, keep drafting QBs and – and it ended up screwing up their entire franchise quarterback. Maybe you were right the whole time. Mm, there you go. Or maybe you needed to do that to take out the guy that's really not your franchise quarterback. Get him out of there. Put yourself in salary cap hell weed, and leave yourself without a quarterback. Yeah, weed they're, them they're out, definitely Sam. better off now. Weed him out. Um, Don't worry, though. Joe Flacco's coming. Process-wise, the last couple of years, drafting Andre Dillard to replace Jason Peters a year early. I just I love a lot of it. It just hasn't come to fruition yet. Yeah, I I agree. I think the Eagles have been quite unlucky with a lot of the moves that they've made. Really, the only thing is um, the whole thing hinges on Carson Wentz. And did you screw up that evaluation or whatever? But they're another example of when that deal was done, it looked shrewd. They did it early and everyone's yep. like, oh, Howie's a genius because he's getting this deal in quick, which means the money's less, which means when Dak comes up, Wentz is going to be on a fraction, and it's, it's genius. Only the problem with that is the, uh, the offset of getting it done early to get it done cheap is you got less data, and if it goes south, you're now on the hook for this thing. And that's what happened. Like Carson Wentz went completely in the tank, and rather than decide they could rebuild him, they've managed they've traded him away now whether that was Wentz agitating for that or they decided that it was the best course of action for everybody involved but whatever it is 
that's what put them into salary cap hell and now just too tight to sort of make the kind of moves they need to do to overhaul the, the areas that have become problems. Yeah, they're going to lose They lose players like Malik Jackson. I mentioned the two receivers. Bring in Anthony Harris for one year. That's nice. But, yeah, corner opposite Darius Slay. That's a steal, by the way. Yeah, Harris is great. Five million or whatever they paid for him. Yep, absolutely. Um, so corner, and they, they have young players like Kayvon Wallace who could play in the slot. And um, another year or two, let's see what they have. So I think it's it's full rebuild mode for the Eagles. And the fact that there's question marks at receiver and corner, linebacker, just continue to add depth. I think at those positions. A couple more teams here. San Francisco 49ers, corner, safety, and receiver slash tight end. You know, really tidying up the rest of those plays. On paper, playmaker-wise, they've got good receivers and Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. But we saw what happened when they didn't have those guys and, you know, one extra player there certainly wouldn't hurt. But cornerback, they had zero coming into the offseason, at least having Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley k1 williams back in the mix is nice yeah they've done a reasonable job of re-signing a bunch of those guys that were scheduled to hit free agency you would still rather have somebody starting over emmanuel mosley i don't know that that person is on the roster yet um in terms of who should be uh richard sherman's still out there might you know maybe he could come back maybe they end up bringing Um, all of their corners back yeah but they're one one away i I think you know jason verrett for as good as he is you still have to count him as a pretty substantial injury question mark as well so definitely need to add at least one corner that you know can be starting week one and potentially two because I don't know if you can rely on Jason Verrett as much as he's betting on himself this year. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Cornerback is definitely a big need. Outside of that, the defense is in a pretty good spot. Like, the, you expect Javon Kinlaw to be better year two, which would make a substantial difference to the defensive front. Obviously, Nick Bosa comes back. Having missed last year, that would be a huge addition as well. I really think the Niners did. When you look at all their transactions, I know this is the needs show, but there's a whole lot of you know Alex Mack for a year and Jaquiski Tart for a year and uh, Kwan Williams for a year. They just plugged up a lot of their questions with familiar players, and they and they let them go to free agency, and they're bringing them back, and they're not they're not all game changers. But when you add up four or five of them, I think that's it's just good. It's good depth in the NFL. You need to have you know, like 15 good defensive players, essentially, at least, uh, to, to, to play well, you know. And, and they did a good job, you know, shoring up some of those holes. They're a team, I think, that should be looking for interior offensive line depth um, just, to, just in case. Like who's Alex, the next center? Because Alex Mack's only there for a year. They're not next even, centers. Not even, like, who's the next one, but what if Alex Mack continues his fairly steep downward spiral? True. Like, yes, get a center so that Alex Mack is – or has an insurance policy. I know you've got – you know, you've got other guys in the roster that could step into that role, but if you could find one of those guys in the second or third round, that would be an outstanding piece of contingency. Do they need one more receiver to go with Debo and Ayuk? Travis Benjamin's technically on the roster. He's your speed guy. I think we – so last year we just – we never got to see this group healthy. I mean, yeah. Brandon Ayuk missed time. Debo Samuel missed time. Jalen Hurd was the guy everyone was excited about before the season missed um, time. Like, they just didn't have that group together at any point almost – I kind of like I, I kind of like it. I think again, if you're going to tell me you find a second round pick and you know the guy comes in, everyone can take a step down the depth chart. Cool, but if you told me that that just those three guys were going to remain healthy for the season, I'd be really intrigued to see what that looked like. I'm also wondering how much they're looking at true edge defenders. You bring in Kinlaw last year, as you said. Eric Armstead is a monster 
who could play outside or inside. D Ford has not been all that good since they brought him in. And injured. And injured. So who do they have? Do they want another just true, dependable edge defender opposite Nick Bosa? I could see that. That's something else the Niners are looking at. Let's go to the Seattle Seahawks. The fact that they still have needs and only three draft picks, a little risky right now. The Seahawks are going to have to be one of those teams that are shrewd with the fifth wave of free agency and then post-draft preseason uh, cuts, right? The Seahawks O-line always need a little bit more help there. Interior defensive line and edge defender, both both huge needs because they they have just – I don't know if it's consistently gotten worse every single year, but their pass rush – Worse and worse and worse since their heyday when they were rolling four deep with the guys that could get after the quarterback. And now they're getting rid of Jerron Reed. Um, So that's gone as well. (laughs) Argue one of their best players over the last couple of years on the defensive line. They're basically, it's Puna Ford. There's the only guy there that's actually a plus player for them right now, which is not ideal. Um, Yeah, their front four is just a, it's a mess. They definitely need a massive upgrade there. Um, Offensive line, probably a bigger issue this year than normally because you know russell wilson's upset now you've already made steps in that direction you traded for gabe jackson i think it's a smart move for a couple of different reasons but you dwayne brown gabe jackson damian lewis was a really good run blocker if he could take a step forward as a pass blocker you might two, move him to center that could change that his would projection. be really nice now you're just working on like can we find a good right tackle and can we you know, we can live with one of the two, left guard or center, regardless whichever one is the weaker link. We can live with that if we can find ourselves a good starting right tackle. Yeah, and to be clear, I mean, Shell, Shell's coming off of his best season. Brandon Shell, the right tackle, is coming off of his best season. He's just, he's been an average to below average. Yeah, but let's like, pass blocker. This whole Russell Wilson thing, let's make one more move. Let's yeah. show him this is serious. We already brought in Gabe Jackson. If we draft a right tackle, the first couple of rounds that we think can start day one, now we're cooking. I'm just really worried about that defensive line, man. Puna, Puna Ford's been – he's that squatty, really good run defender, low leverage guy. I love Puna Ford. I mm-hmm. mean, we always talk about getting those value run defenders late or or as, as an undrafted free agent like Puna Ford. But what are they going to do rushing the passer? Their best pass rushers last year were Jamal Adams, a safety, and Bobby Wagner, a middle linebacker. They just need to find somebody up front that can rush the passer on a consistent basis. They're expecting what LJ Collier to. Are you even expecting that at this point? I don't know. What are they going to do? He had there was a point where he had one pressure on what 120 (laughs) rushes, first 120 rushes or whatever it was. To me, that's the biggest. It's it's the trenches, both sides of the ball. Um, I also wonder about wide receiver three, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. We've seen how that pass game has disappeared a little bit with Tyler Lockett injuries. The last couple seasons, I like the addition of Gerald Everett. Maybe get a little bit more horizontal in the passing attack, but they need weapons too. This feels like this could be the Packers last year, where the offseason doesn't look great. But if as long as if Russ plays incredible next year, it won't matter. I mean, yeah. It's just relying on your quarterback to carry you even more. A yeah. guy that completely dropped off the second half of the season. Which is year. a big problem. They also need the season the corresponding season from Devonte adams and from jair alexander and maybe david Bakhtiari. like who are they on the seahawks roster okay you could get a superstar season out of dk metcalf sure who's the cornerback that's going to lock things down on his own on the back end who's the left tackle that's going to make sure that the quarterback is 
never touch from that side. I mean, Dwayne Brown is good, but he's not David Bakhtiari. There's Which nobody corner is a need for yes, sure. There's nobody in the cornerback group that's going to do that. So DJ Reed's been solid, and Akilah Witherspoon has been good for two small stints in his career. <laughs> I'm just saying they're 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 working off of just potential there. Trey Flowers too, same thing. Just been okay. Yeah, cornerback I think is a major need for Seattle. Man, I don't. So now, so now we're looking at a team where, like, I don't know what the biggest need is, because we always d- debate pass rush and coverage. But if you have neither, you're in trouble. And yeah. that's what Seattle was last year for most of the year, and except that little stretch in the middle of the season, that's what they are right now. So a lot of work to do. I think this has to be the year they take those three picks and trade down a million times and add more players. <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks and Washington Football Team remain. Bucks needs Tresh only said interior defensive line because Sue is not back yet. Is he is correct? now. Is he now yep. officially? Look at me being terribly behind the news. Yep, he is officially back. They just re-signed everybody. The only is it literally that the was only, the last guy that they needed to. Is the only guy they've let loose Antonio Brown? I think um, literally everybody else that was Antonio Brown's the only one that's not back yet. Yeah, everybody else that was potentially on their way out, except like Raheem Nunez, Rocha. Yeah, yeah, like except people that nobody's even considering as part of you know run it back. No, Seattle's been. Oh no, Lenny. Lenny's not back yet. Well, you know, we don't – I don't even look at the running back depth chart, you know. Um, I, I would say the pass-catching running back is a need for the Bucs. You, if you're trying to complete that offense, you've got – I can't believe they didn't sign James White. I cannot either. You have pass-catchers ever. I could honestly see the Bucs just being like, doesn't run the ball well enough for us. They look at their running backs and they say, you got to run we, – we run duo. You're not running duo the way we like it. We run inside zone, outside zone, and you're not a good enough runner because James White's not a good – He's not a great runner, right? He's like a. I think he's terrible at it, though. Like, he's just not. Nah, he just doesn't create. He's not prohibitively bad. Like there are force missed tackles. Create. He's just yeah. not a great runner. But there are like receiving backs where I'm like, I you can't carry the ball between like you. No, you're only a receiving back. I think James White can carry the ball. I there's a pretty good chance though that they think Keyshawn Vaughn can be that guy, and the the need that everybody yeah. is projecting onto them isn't actually as glaring as it looks. No, I I get it, but either way, they need somebody. I mean, I could also see them being the team that. Drafts a running back. They're going to gra- draft Etienne. First round. Etienne. We're running back away. Najee Harris. From being. Like, they're going to draft repeating. one of those top guys maybe at 32. And feel like they're plugging that last that last hole in the roster. Make so many people so mad. Um, keep talking. I found a, uh, a typo somewhere that I need to pass on to edit. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I mean, they've done a phenomenal job of actually getting everybody back in the building, which is really an incredible piece of business when you look at the sheer volume they had. Um, and they just won the Super Bowl. This is not a team with a ton of holes. I think the potential holes they were going to have almost all got filled. What do you think that their biggest need is? I mean, I'm not – it's not pass catching running back. I refuse to believe that that is its not the biggest need. It's not the biggest need. But if I'm the Bucks and I'm looking at the draft and I'm saying, okay, what's going to make my roster best in the short and long term? I'm always going to go back to those value positions. So even though the wide receiver depth chart is loaded, is there more to add there potentially? Because Chris, God- you know, if you're if you're forward looking, Chris Godwin is just on your franchise tag right now. Um, Tyler Johnson looked pretty good, but we don't know. And we saw how valuable Antonio Brown was mm. as another receiver option. So I look at that from a value proposition proposition standpoint um corner is looking really good but at some point how are you going to pay carlton davis jamel dean um so maybe slot corner is another place that they look for uh, insurance for sean murphy bunting back there i think you could add a little bit of safety depth 
Antoine Winfield, Jordan Whitehead looked pretty good. And, and then I'd think edge defender, just like your pure get-up-the-field edge defender opposite Shaq Barrett and with Jason Pierre-Paul. They've really hit that window, though, play. that luxury window that the 49ers were in a while ago and Seattle were in once where it, like you're drafting for like next year in depth. Like Just have fun. This doesn't come around very often. But remember you actually how it, don't have a glaring amount of needs. I always say the, um, the Falcons were in that right after their Super Bowl. You're yeah. looking at the roster and there's no – need but needs change daily in the nfl the other part is o-line right is donovan smith really going to be your long-term left tackle they just redid him right Re-upped he's him. got a couple years left i think they just re or redid his contract or re-upped him or did something to him uh we saw we saw what happened on the offensive line in the interior too when ali marpet alex kappa for a little bit when did donovan he get extended smith gets an extension oh, steve's doing a terrible job on this show here yeah you're not you're not helping well, I don't know how much up. he was extended by, but uh, two-year, a $31.8 million extension per report. So he's through when? Uh, two years beyond when he was in before. Hold on a second here. Where is he? Uh, yeah, Schefter also reports. Yes, he's extended. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't upgrade on Donovan Smith, but they're not going to anytime soon. No, so he's only good through 2021. What? No, he just signed a two-year extension. Like two days ago? Yes. Like. Oh, okay. So that just happened. All right. All right. Sorry. You're right. I I haven't. I, I have missed the last like day of news. Yes. Two so days in the news. future, when we do a podcast, it would be helpful if you knew what was happening in the NFL. My fault. My fault. So we could get ahead. So they of don't need like Donovan this. Smith insurance. Correct. Anymore. That's well. Great. They might still, but they're not going to because they just extended him for two years, thirty-one million dollars. Anyway, Bucks add depth everywhere. Um, I saw, this, I saw this written makers. somewhere, and I don't want to fact-check it in case it's wrong, and therefore nobody fact-checked me on this. But apparently Tom Brady is the first Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback to ever sign an extension with the team. To ever sign a second contract with the really? Bucs. And he's done it after a year. <laughs> and this team has been around since like 1979 or whatever it was. Now, again, haven't fact-checked it. Don't want to fact-check it because I love it so much I need it to be true. So let's just assume it is. Let's say, wow, that's incredible, and let's move on. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Are you right. with me on this? Yes. It's an amazing statistic. It's an amazing thing. Incredible. It's true. Not only it's has he true. got the same number of NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, he's also the quarterback that has signed the second contract in Tampa Bay, the first one since 1970-whatever. Another Tom Brady record. Amazing. Uh, somebody's calling me out for not mentioning Carlos Dunlap and Kerry Hyder when talking about the Seahawks pass rush. What about so. They're fine. They have Carlos Dunlap back and Kerry Hyder. They're fine? That's what Charles is saying. I mean, no. How do we not mention them? Now, not- Carlos Dunlap was arguably their best defensive lineman as a pass rusher, but even Carlos Dunlap last year was fairly way away from his best play, which admittedly was as recent as, what, 2019 was his career year? So you can, you can make an argument that Carlos Dunlap can bounce back to that really good play. But the dude's getting kind of old at this point and apparently has a body shape like you. Yeah, and Kerry Hyder's pass rush grades after a very promising 67 in 2016 with a whole bunch of sacks. 57, 61, and 58. Sorry, Kerry Hyder is not solving your pass rush situation. The Seahawks are a bottom three pass rushing team. I took a whole shot at your, your body shape there and you just let it go on by. It's fine. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I'm focused on attacking uh, Seahawks. You're fans. focused on finding out all the things that happened in the last 24 hours that you weren't paying attention to. You you were comparing me to Carlos Dunlap because yeah. he's my my comparable player. Uh-huh. You're right. Well, maybe I should maybe, maybe I should talk him up a little bit more because he's me. 
Sorry, I'm just I'm lost today. I'm losing this, it. This is rough. It's not my best show. Jerry, don't watch this one, Jerry. All right, Washington football team, let's wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we have for needs here with the football team? I hope we didn't miss anybody. Wide receiver and tight end continue to add to that. Logan Thomas, nice step forward, but man, playmakers, playmakers, playmakers in Washington. Add Adam Humphreys. I was going to say, they just signed somebody as well. There yeah, I know. I, I guess I, I saw the Adam you Humphreys. You saw that deal. one? That, but that's, that's not going to keep me. That's the one that you That's uh, not going to keep me from getting more wide receivers, man. Okay. Linebacker and then offensive tackle. Adam Humphreys, whose best season came with Ryan Fitzmagic as his quarterback. I think. Tampa Bay, right? The first year, Fitzmagic. Was, yeah, but I don't. I mean, look, he's never had great years. It was him and Jameis. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. Football team's roster is shaping up, though. I'll tell you that. It's getting a lot better. It won't let me click on it. (laughs) They're a team, I think, that could still use some... Speed. Speed receivers. Yeah. Again, if you're going to tell me they draft one in the second, third round, I'm not going to say no, but I don't think it's a glaring need. I would target the offensive line before I targeted the wide receiver group. Um, The defense... I guess is moving in really nice direction. I, I really like what they've got going on there. I mean, obviously the defensive front was insane last year. You expect Chase Young to get even better. Now he's going to have a, a fully healthy season. Just that stack of first-round picks they have there. Um, but this, the secondary is coming along well as well. Yeah, with uh, Kendall Fuller and William Jackson at corner now, with uh, Cameron Curl was one of the best free uh, best rookie defensive backs in the entire league last year. Yep. With him and Landon Collins at safety, Jeremy Reeves, you know, mixing in there. So safety's been decent. It is line when you look at the roster, though. Linebacker is a big question mark. Um, so that's certainly something that they could address. We mentioned tackle Jerron Christian and Cornelius Lucas. I just I love that guy. He's like uh, he's like Ty Inseki who gets an opportunity to play. Hmm. Mostly because they're both six eight, I believe. But Cornelius Lucas is the guy that every time he kind of every time he gets an opportunity to play, he's been solid. Six hundred seventy eight snaps last year in the seventy eight grade. He's been good. I got, asked but he's not this. your left tackle of the future. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, I think definitely finding. I mean, if they find a stud left tackle in the first round, that would be awesome. Yeah. Plus, Morgan um, Moses getting a little bit older. Somebody asked me this on a podcast, I think, during the week. They're like, oh, Washington is clearly targeting these sort of hybrid running back wide receiver guys. Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson last year, J.D. McKissick, what the role he had in the offense. Do they strike you as a team that actually knows how to use those people? Because, like, Curtis Samuel, under this regime in Carolina – never lined up in the backfield like he did it 10 percent of his snaps last year in the new in the different uh coaching system that carolina had but this one he was basically just used as a wide receiver antonio gibson is like this perfect uh hybrid threat and yet they didn't use him that way last year it was mckissick that was doing a lot of that stuff so they've actually assembled these guys that are right up our alley in terms of like hey you are nailing this concept of positionless wide receiver running back personnel nightmare matchup problems but do you know what you're doing with them it's a fair question i think it's still to be determined scott turner's second year as offensive coordinator coming up right now and um they have they have all these guys they have the weapons potentially i mean antonio gibson last year at this time the potential in that group for creativity is oh it's incredible almost as high as it is for any group of playmakers in the nfl and I've seen almost no evidence that this team is prepared to actually do anything with that. I hope they do. Because, I mean, Gibson Gibson was a true receiver running back hybrid coming yeah. out last year and was 
uh, turned out to be a pretty good pretty good runner, and you have the options there with him and Samuel. I, I hope they do it. I mean, between this group and I'd say the Niners group, yes, it's probably the two best as far as having that. The Niners, I think, is one uh, in terms of just sheer versatility yeah. and nightmare problems Versatile for defense. options. This one, I think, should be number two. And yet, I mean, obviously Kyle Shanahan is out there being Rembrandt or Tin Cup, and I don't, I don't see them doing anything particularly creative with this group. Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like a good playmaking tight end. I'd Who like wouldn't? a speed receiver. You're not you're not you're not a Logan Thomas guy. I want to push him one down the depth chart. Is all I want. You're just a hater. Just out here pushing everybody down the depth. Chart. Push everybody down the depth chart. So yeah, there's still some holes here for the football team, but love the direction that they're going. Is that it? Did I screw anything else up? Do we forget any? I guarantee we forgot a team. Somebody's missing in there. Do the, we forget your favorite team? Somebody let me know in the comments. I was going to say Washington could use a linebacker, but they've signed David Mayo, so they're set. Oh, they're perfectly set. I mentioned linebacker earlier and didn't even mention him, which is just wrong. It was very wrong. Not quite as wrong as just not knowing that Donovan Smith had signed an extension, but pretty wrong. Dolphin Super Bowl is one of the comments from our live viewers here. Dolphin? Appreciate it. He he fixed it. Dolphins. Dolphins up. Fins up. Fins up. Well, thanks to everybody for tuning in. It was a bonus podcast, which is maybe why I screwed so many things up along the way here. Yeah, it was a bonus. I wasn't even ready for it. Your NFC team needs next week. We'll get into all sorts of draft coverage and looking forward and continuing to fix all of your favorite teams. Appreciate everybody tuning in here, and we'll be back here on Monday. Wave, Sam. <laughs>